Nadine Phillips contacted me shortly after Nature Revisited started airing our episode with Doug Tommy, Nature's Best Hope. Nadine wanted to share with me how excited she was to have met Doug and how much his message had made a difference to her. Nadine and I then started corresponding and I soon learned that she was very much involved in some important projects. From working at an arboretum, promoting native plants, to becoming a forest therapist and leading nature walks, helping people to become more familiar and closer to nature. After learning more about what Nadine was truly focused on, I realized that she was exactly the kind of person who reflected what Nature Revisited is trying to promote. That our relationship with nature needs to be personal. That we are nature. So I asked Nadine if she would like to join me for an episode and to share her passion. At first, Nadine was a bit hesitant. But after giving it some thought and some time, she agreed. Here then is my conversation with Nadine Phillips. So how was growing up in Mississippi, how did that shape your relationship with nature? I feel very fortunate to have grown up amidst a lot of natural beauty to appreciate and feed my curiosity. Mississippi has a lot of natural wonders to offer. I grew up in southern Mississippi with plenty of access to forested land. I was able to roam on my family's property. We had a a lot of trees, plenty of nice pines and oaks, so that meant lots of birds around. We were not farmers, but like everyone else, we had a big vegetable garden, and both my mom and my grandmother were gardeners as well, ornamental and horticultural gardeners, and so I had a lot of chance to have my hands in and feet in the dirt, and I loved it. I always loved that aspect of it. I love plants. Vivid memories that I had, I like to go into the woods and dig up my dig up little bitty wood violets and bring those back and plant them in my mom's flower beds because I thought they were just so beautiful and interesting. I wanted them everywhere. So how important is your relationship to nature? It's everything to me, actually. It comes down to what you say all the time on the podcast is that we are nature, and that's that's why it's so important to me. I remember spending a lot of time in the woods as a child and feeling the flow of life around me, feeling like that I belonged there. One incident in particular always comes to mind, and it was probably the first time that I felt my place in nature. Like I said, I used to spend a lot of time in the forest, and I remember on Sundays we would go to church, come home, 
eat lunch, I would change my clothes, run out to the forest, and for me, that that was church. That's where church started. That's where that was my sanctuary. You know, the trees were my friends, and I loved the forest. And I remember one day sitting up against a tree that I loved so much, and there was a hawk that had a nest in an adjacent tree. And I kept seeing her go back and forth. But there was one day in particular, she let me watch her feed her chicks. I just remember thinking, I'm supposed to be here. I belonged here. I felt like that was a beautiful gift that was given to me. From that moment on, it was it was hard to go to school because I was like, what's going on? What's going on with the chicks? I want to know. I, I didn't want to miss anything. You once said to me that there's a lot of fear of nature in the South. Did you feel that fear growing up? And, and what role does that fear or how is that fear today? Um, I, I do remember saying that there was a lot of fear of nature in the South. I've learned from a lot of different people, different aspects of it. I have one friend that I've been talking to regularly who told me, she said, I think I'm finally ready to sit with you by a tree. I don't want to touch the tree. I don't want any bugs on me, but I'm finally ready to make that step. So so there's those sorts of fears. And there's also the fear that if you are a woman, you shouldn't go into the woods by yourself. Of course, those are fears that are real and things to be worried about. One very sobering conversation that I had was with regard to some people that I met at a local protest, which was not long after the murder of George Floyd. They were asking me what I did, and I was pretty excitedly telling them that I lead wonder walks in nature, that I help people go into a natural setting and relax, connect with nature and just be still. A couple of people spoke up and said, oh, well, that's, you know, that sounds interesting. And I could tell one guy was looking at me and he said, you know, that sounds really good, but I'm just, I'm not real sure about that. You know, most of us black folks don't hang out in the woods just to relax. We might go hunting or fishing or something like that, but we're not out there just hanging around because we grew up the hearing that depending on where you are in the state, you may go into the woods and you may not come out. I hate to say that I wasn't surprised to hear that, but the thing that was struck me so much was that it is a very real and present concern. To me, it's clearly an intergenerational trauma that's been passed down from long ago, but it doesn't doesn't make it any less real. And I don't think that's particularly a Southern thing, but it just so happens I'm living in the South and I'm having this discussion with a black man. And I keep saying the woods, that's what we call it here. <laughs> Culturally, the woods and the forest are dangerous. There are, th- there are wild things out there and people do wild things in the woods. Hearing a grown man say that made me realize what would my life be like? had I not been able to be, to feel free to meander just because of my skin color. For me, that made it all the more important for me to share my utter love of nature. I am very proud to say I don't have a fear 
of being in nature. In fact, I like to go further and further in nature. I like it quiet. I like to be away from all the human noises because of the, the sanctuary, but it wouldn't be sanctuary to me if I were afraid of it. Share with us what makes you so passionate about your relationship with nature and what really motivates you. For me, the thing that I'm most passionate about is our interconnectedness with the natural world. I fully support and understand and feel deep in my bones E.O. Wilson's biophilia hypothesis. I do believe that we are innately connected to other living things in a way that we can't deny. I believe that term of us being inextricably linked to the natural world can't I think there's just no denying that I believe that we have everything that we need that nature heals us and it's our turn to heal nature in whatever way possible it will take a concerted effort and it will not be easy but I do believe that the wave is already in motion um, one of the things that I am very passionate about and one person who has really had a big influence on the way that I look at the world and the way that I aspire to move in the world is Buddhist philosopher named Joanna Macy. And Joanna Macy talks so beautifully about our wild love for the world, that that's what will save the world, that we have to acknowledge the fact that the world is damaged, that the planet is damaged. The idea is that whether or not we think the world will last another 100 years or another million years doesn't really matter, that it's now that makes the difference. So what are some of the ways, not only through forest therapy, but through all the other things that you do, what are some of the ways you're trying to change things for people when it comes to nature? Above all, my my desire is for people to feel or understand our innate connection with nature. And that will lead to improved and loving stewardship for the planet, which I think is crucial. And I also think it's improved and loving stewardship with our relationship with other humans as well. I think that it's a beautiful circle that can be completed if we all care for one another and care for the planet in those sorts of ways. A member of the Mississippi Native Plant Society and the Mississippi Plant Conservation Alliance and a, a volunteer at an arboretum in Picayune, Mississippi. It's called the Crosby Arboretum. I've been volunteering there for quite a while, a little over 10 years now, and I had the great fortune to meet Doug Ptolemy for the first time ever there. His message has had a huge impact on me, and he has such a way of taking things and making them very understandable and relatable and making those connections and making us all understand that we are nature. So I'm I'm hoping that maybe by virtue of my enthusiasm and love for the planet that I can help create a greater awareness of our interconnectedness with nature. So let's let's go into what your passion is right now, which is forest therapy. And before we get into talking about what it is, is there a connection between what you do in forest therapy and people's 
Fear of nature? It is for the ability to be able to relax fully because in order for the, the practices to work, you need to be able to relax. You need to be able to be still. You need to be able to feel comfortable closing your eyes. Give our listeners an idea what forest therapy is and how you came to be involved with it. I think I can answer that in the reverse, because to be truthful, it feels as though everything in my whole life has kind of led me to this point. But I will say there is a very distinct turning point that changed everything for me. It changed my psyche to a large degree. It had to do with a mystical encounter in my garden. There was this one particular summer that I found a big, huge, fat tomato hornworm, big green hornworm, and he was bigger than any of my fingers, long, big around, and I said, I called it a guy, I said, sir, you have every right to be here, you're way big, I'm not going to squish you. I left the hornworm, but it made me ponder to myself what what becomes of hornworms, because I know that caterpillars become butterflies, but what becomes of hornworms? I did a little research, and I saw that they become stink moths. I went on about my business, and a couple of weeks later, I'm, I'm in the garden. It was late in the evening. I saw something from behind me on the side. I could feel a breeze on my neck. I slowly turned around, and they're just hovering in the air, like within a foot of my face was a big sphinx moth. All I could think was, was that that same worm that I stared? What would have happened if I would have killed that caterpillar? I wouldn't be eyeball to eyeball with a sphinx moth. It was like my vision of my place in the web of life was validated in that moment. And nothing has been the same since then, frankly. It reminds me of what Rachel Carson talks about, about our childlike sense of wonder. Um, I just remember thinking to myself, I don't remember being this excited about learning something new since I was a kid in elementary school. And since then, I've, I've wanted to know everything about the web of life. This totally ignited my interest in biodiversity. This was with purpose. This was something that could make the earth a healthier place. So what brought you to forest therapy? Probably my whole life brought me to forest therapy, but most directly, forest therapy arose from a question that a friend asked me, had I heard of forest bathing? And I had not at the time, and once I started researching, I realized that the the term forest bathing, um, which originates from the Japanese term shirin-yoku, it means immersing yourself in the forest atmosphere or in nature's atmosphere. And I quickly realized that that was something that I had done my whole life. Nature has always been sanctuary for me, so... It just seemed like such a natural fit for me. And so I began leading forest bathing walks at the time with the sole purpose in mind of sharing the joy, the healing that comes from forest bathing. 
one of the things I would like to point out is while the primary focus is on forests, nature is the essential part of the equation, however you access nature, however you can connect with nature. But for me, the forest, has, like I said, has always been my sanctuary, so I wanted to share that with other people. Probably three years on and off, I've been leading what I call wonder walks because I want people to connect with the wonder of nature that is around them. Once I've learned that I could get a certification from the International Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance, I was very thrilled to have that opportunity. The certification was such a thrilling possibility for me to be able to incorporate proven wisdom from around the world. Forest therapy came to me in in a wonderful way at a time that I believe that we all need to know about it. I'm really happy to be able to participate in this new domain in the world of science and in the discipline. It's an old principle that we all know that nature heals us. So what are you planning on doing with the skills that you have learned once you're certified? I'm really excited to be able to lead more in-depth guided walks. And when I say walks, um, I don't mean that you have to be able to walk. The whole point of nature and forest therapy is accessibility to everyone of, of all levels of ability. So what I intend to do is to be able to gather people who want to connect with nature more deeply and want to be able to relax and de-stress themselves and live a healthier life with a connection to nature. I want to be able to share the skills that I've learned through my forest therapy training. So what our guided walks do is introduce the concepts and exercises that can help you connect more directly. Again, we, we encourage as much, as much nature contact as possible. What is your sense of the sacred when it comes to nature? It's, it's all sacred and wondrous as far as I'm concerned. That's something that has always been present in me, but I know I can say without a doubt that forest therapy has deepened that sense in me. I think one of the most direct ways that we connect with nature is through beauty. And I think that beauty is that direct hook that just kind of dissolves all of our rational thought and our heart is opened in those moments. So I believe that that's that's where we will connect with the web of life most directly. Those moments of stillness are so important that you can you can feel the collective pulse and the, the insect hum and the soothing rhythms that surround you in nature. Those touchstones to nature appeal to our primal instincts as human beings. My favorite philosopher, once again, Joanna Macy, she calls it the primal wow. And that's exactly what it is, is to know those moments that are there that are beautiful and that we can touch whatever whatever you call it, whether it's sacred or wonder or joy or awe, it's there and it's accessible. 
guided forest therapy walks are important and they are very helpful. The best way to get started is to get started on your own and to open yourself up to nature, to small connections. Look at the sky, listen to the birds, let the breeze blow across your face. It's accessible to everyone. What is the International Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance and how did you get involved with it? The International Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance is, it represents the peak body of forest therapy research. We have members in more than 20 different countries. The alliance gathers all of the scientific information. They are the first to have published an international handbook, which offers the research for more than 50 authors. Forest therapy is a new domain, and the International Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance provides the infrastructure for the discipline. They're creating the curriculum and they're training forest therapy guides and they're providing professional development support for members. One of the key things that led me to them was the sheer breadth and depth of knowledge that is represented by this body of professionals who've been practicing forest therapy, nature and forest therapy for, like I said, for more than 40 years now. I became involved because I really value their mission. The main mission of the International Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance is to promote forest therapy as a public health initiative in order to make the practice accessible to everyone. This is a practice that I can do on my own, but I am open to applying it in any way possible. You know, I really, I have a great desire. I would love to see it implemented as a public health initiative. And for me personally, that is the benefit of a very well-organized support system and a global knowledge base and proven training from experienced professionals in the field. During the time that I started the forest bathing walks on my own to begin with, I had no professional support. And while I did have experience and I I knew how to lead people in a way, I was I'm now equipped with more tools to be able to help people in a more organized and a professional way. And I'm able to help relate the message in a more calm manner and I'm able to reap the benefits of years worth of proven and scientifically underpinned practices that have been shared with me. The interesting thing about my training with the International Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance is that pretty much all of the questions that I had as uh, what I call myself a nature connection guide before now Pretty much all of the questions that I needed answers on where I was struggling, the Nature and Forest Therapy Alliance just stepped in and handed me the answers to those, you know, helped me to figure out how to be a better leader for these sorts of situations. Part of the practices with forest therapy are the practices are meant to be used You go on a walk with a guide, but you leave with tools to be able to practice on your own because the cumulative effects of forest therapy are where the benefits really come into play. You know, the more you do it, the better you feel, the the better your body responds. It's my goal to be able to open this therapy up to people and to provide 
new ways of experiencing their sensory faculties in nature. I am very privileged to have witnessed a couple of very profound moments with with different people in my walk. Something beautiful always seems to happen. That's very gratifying to be able to help people figure out their way, their own unique way to connect with nature. I know that nature calls to everyone differently, so we're not all going to have the same experience. The first thing that comes to mind was a walk that I did at the uh, Strawberry Plains Audubon Center here in Holly Springs, Mississippi, and there was a young student there from the country Oman. We It was my largest class so far. It was 20 people. I could tell once we dispersed onto where where we were going to all find our own nature spot, I could tell that the student was really connecting with the practice. I was enamored with how he approached a tree. It was all quite natural on his own. He went up to the tree, and I noticed that he started doing his prayers. He was a Muslim student, and so he was doing his prayers. So I, I let him be and walked on, and we all gathered at the end, and I asked if anyone had anything profound to share. He spoke up right away, and he said, I'm from Oman, and today was the very first time I've ever been in a forest. And I see trees in the distance, but I've never approached a tree. I've never been into a forest before. We all were sort of blown away. He said, my life will never be the same. I have never had such a beautiful spiritual experience before. That was such a wonderful thing to witness. It was a privilege to know that it happened in a way that was so natural. I've also had an instance with a friend who had been ill. We took a walk with a group of other people. I met up with this woman on the way back to the gathering group, and she sort of pulled me to the side, and she said, I can't tell you how much I needed this. I can't tell you how much I needed to know that it was okay for me to just sit and talk to a tree. I needed to know this because I'm struggling. I've had cancer for about a year now, and I don't really quite know what to do with myself, so I just I sit in the woods and I cry at my house. And she said, now I know that I don't have to cry alone, that I can turn to the trees and I can communicate with the tree and I can get support from the tree. It was beautiful to bear witness to those beautiful moments in those people's lives. And that's one of the motivating things is to be able to share things like that. I mean, you have to work now because you have to find ever more reason to love the world. I want to contribute that kind of love and care and, and be able to help regenerate and contribute something positively to the healing of the planet and to humanity. After my conversation with Nadine, we were talking, and she was telling me about someone who had sent her a poem about their shared experience on a therapy walk. I asked Nadine 
if she would share it with us. Through the Eyes of the Barefoot Wanderer Along the borders of the unknown, I sat, staring into the thicket with caution. But with none to guide me, I would not venture in. When along happened a stranger who offered to join me. So hungry was I for adventure. I followed her tameless red curls under the archway bending branches into the darkened wood. As I listened to her speak of her wild love, I found it hard to imagine she had never been this way before. For she called so easily to plant and creature as if each were family. Slowly moving away from open spaces, we stopped frequently along worn trails. Beside mint pools, marbled at orange fungi sprout, touched spongy misted moss, watched small frogs hop. Talking and observing our way deeper into the forest, we entered the sacred cathedral of tall green canopy. Captivated by a golden ray of light streaming through glassless windows, we stood in sacred silence and held communion with the earth. We spoke of brave men and women long before making the trails on which we stood. Then she did something I would have never done. She stepped off the path into knee-deep grasses led to investigate anything that caught her eye. I hesitated, feet as deeply rooted as the trees all around. Mother's cautions buzzed in my ear like the gnat I persistently waved away. For a moment, I stood in awe of this bold, curious woman, finding ease in risk, aware of the potential dangers and nuisances of life, yet filled with wonder rather than fright. So I followed the barefoot wonder off the beaten path into the dense growth. With no map or clear pathway, we maneuvered uninhibited over thorns past poison ivy, past the unseen shifting at our feet, no purpose except to follow our hearts and watch for the setting sun. All who are wonder are not lost. Perhaps they are merely looking for new trails to blaze, leaving for a while the safe and familiar, looking with possibility of what others fear through the eyes of a barefoot wanderer. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Nadine Phillips and that you share it with friends, family, and colleagues. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and visit our website, nordenproductions.com. That's Norden, N-O-O-R-D-E-N productions.com. Nature Revisited is produced by Stefan Van Orden and Charles Gagan. I hope you will join me for the next episode of Nature Revisited. And until then, remember, we are nature. <laughs>